0: In the 19th century, Richard Wagner coined the phrase Gesamtkunstwerk to idealize and conceptualize the idea of a perfect, total art form. In 2012, somebody finally did it. They finally made a Gesamtkunstwerk. Paul W.S. Anderson's opus, the greatest film ever made, Resident Evil Retribution Welcome to subsequent movie podcast, Resident Evil Retribution Club. The only reason this podcast still exists is this movie, and Ryan, <laughs> what an experience still what? after all these years.
1: <laughs> I I swear to God, this movie, like, there are movies I like, right? There are movies yeah. I enjoy, <laughs> movies I would consider to be perfect films, right? And. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it with this one, but whatever you want to say about Resident Evil Retribution, whatever angle you want to tackle this movie from, which we will assuredly do over this six-hour podcast episode, (laughs) this is one of, if not the only movie that will just make me cackle thinking about it, like genuinely... If I think about this movie, I think I do think about this movie almost every day. Like just right off the bat, one hundred percent. Yes, we we are coming into this with with something of a bias. I this this film, this movie, this this pure kino that we are talking about on this podcast tonight. I really do think about a few moments from this almost every day of my life. Like it it, it does not leave my brain. I am. Um, i had known when i watched this the first time that this was you know quote unquote like the best one maybe you had told me maybe someone else had told me i don't know sure but i i watched these movies for the first time i think my senior year of college and i was just going through on some like you know freemovies.online website just watching through them and i'd watched the first three and i was like yeah those are pretty goofy i watched afterlife and i was like okay this is this is pretty silly. And then I remember watching this one and just being blown away by it. And I've since seen this film. This is probably the sixth or seventh time I've watched this movie. And it just has not lost any of the charm at all for me. Like, it is still just... (laughs) It's unreal. This movie (laughs) is unreal. (laughs) I can't believe this movie exists. Like, I genuinely cannot believe this is a real thing. It is the... As we've said, the pinnacle of, like, HD, 3D popcorn movie bullshit. It's probably one of the stupidest movies ever made, but at the same time, it's one of the most brilliant <laughs> movies ever made.
0: Yeah, it is a monumental shit show that somehow collapses in on itself and comes out the other side as a perfect, like, synthesis of every idea that paul ws anderson has ever had in his life it really does it it's it is the greatest piece of trash cinema (laughs) that has (laughs) ever been made like i i I know you said it that you cackle just thinking about it i also think about this movie and one specific moment in the movie that we'll get to Oh my Literally, god! Literally, I think every day of my life. <laughs> one um, perfect
1: shot, and by one perfect shot, I mean the perfect shot, the, the perfect only perfect shot, shot. the perfect yeah. shot. This is like I I am just like I I feel so good. Like I remember when we were doing this podcast and in, in the in the dark times, and we had come into this feeling just depressed, just beaten down by whatever we had just watched. This is the opposite. I am I am feeling, like, elevated to, to another plane by this film. It really is that, like... We've said this before. We've said this before. I've said it for the last three episodes. If you have not watched this movie, please, for the love of God, go watch this movie. Because this is, like it's titanic right it, it's 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 it, it, it is like a monument to the inherent power of the auteur right you want to talk about a theory in film which is you know kind of that there's the one person that the vision of the film really comes from who's like the director who really gets <clears throat> in and you know controls every aspect of a movie right resident evil retribution is is just a it's 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 bananas, right? It's it's so hard to categorize, because on one hand, it really just is, like, a thoroughly rock-headed film, right? Yes. But on the, on the other hand, the decisions made in the movie have such an incredible consistency to them that you can't argue anything other than that Paul W.S. Anderson is, like, a master auteur in this film, right? Like, the decisions he makes are, are bad... <laughs> like bad and baffling and ridiculous but he makes them with such an incredible grasp on the form of of trash 3d filmmaking that it's it loops back around to just being genius right like that's what this movie is that's the appeal of this film is that despite it being just an up and down uh charles entertainment cheese chuckle fuck shit show it is like at the same time just this incredible like you said magnum opus of every idea this man has ever had in his entire life shoved into an hour and 25 <laughs> minute film and it's
0: it's it's an hour and 25 minutes that goes by in the blink of an eye like oh i could is. watch
1: this for five hours if there was like yeah. an apocalypse now five hour work print cut of this movie i would watch it like uh, there no question asked yeah, I, um... like, forget
0: the fucking Snyder cut. Like, we want the four-hour <laughs> Resident Evil Retribution <laughs> yeah. cut. <laughs> like...
1: Yeah, give us the Anderson cut. Where's the Anderson oh, cut? Oh, God. A we... cut
0: of this movie that just, like, has Claire and Chris in it as well. And there's... I, mean, I mean, the wireframes, as we all know, like, he loves his wireframes. That wireframe says Berlin, like, there's a Berlin area. We don't yeah, get to we see did... it in this cut. Mm. So, like, I want to see him dick around in Berlin, you know? I want to see i want to see more i just i just need more of this i
1: this is all i want like it's literally all i want like we've done this podcast right we've done resident evil club and we've done four movies those four movies don't mean shit to me all like (laughs) like it is just this whole franchise is just like like literally and i think people who have seen this movie and understand how much it references the previous films and like what those movies do the entire franchise is four movies of prologue to get to this point, right? Like, like I yes. say it, and I'm I'm not being facetious when I say this. This is Paul W. Sanderson's masterpiece. Like, he will never. I would be shocked if he would if he ever made a movie just as like bugfuck as this film is ever again, right? Like, I still haven't seen Monster Hunter, but there's no way. There's not going to be clones in Monster Hunter. There's not going to be wireframe maps within wireframe maps. There's not going to be, well, there may be bad ADR in Monster Hunter, I don't know, but Albert Wesker will not be there. So what's the point?
0: Yeah, we're still like another three or four Monster Hunter movies away from Sean Roberts showing up (laughs) and just absolutely crushing it.
1: (laughs) I don't know, maybe he has like a cameo in that movie I'm just unaware of yet. Oh, um, God. I know they're showing it about an hour from here at a drive-in theater, and since there's no way I'm setting foot in an actual theater right now, Mm -hmm. I may go this week if it's not raining, because it's been kind of shitty, and go see Monster Hunter. But we're not here to talk about Monster Hunter. We are here to talk about God's Perfect Film 2012 Resident Evil Retribution. A movie, which I, as I mentioned in the last episode, also read the novelization for. But we will, you we will get into that. It, it's yeah. a doozy, let me tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you've been, you've been sending me little snippets from the book, and it just sounds amazing. Um, God, yeah, 2012's Resident Evil Retribution. Let's get into it, I guess. This is what the minds were trying go. to tell us yeah. about. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> is,
1: yeah. When they said the world was going to end in 2012, they were right, because no movies should have been made after this. Like, this was the pinnacle.
0: Yeah, Um. I, I, I mean, I guess, like, we should... Because I, I feel like it's pointless to try and go through this beat by beat as it happens. Because it's nothing it's, happens.
1: Like this movie,
0: nothing that's, at all.
1: That's that's the genius of this film is that it's not actually about anything. I, we we did um we did the the summary last week, right? I think I did it. Do you want to try to summarize this film in three sentences? <laughs> you could probably do it
0: in one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. So following the events of Resident Evil Afterlife, Alice is captured by Jill Valentine and taken to an umbrella facility under the ice in Siberia or somewhere in Russia. Um, While there, she encounters Ada Wong, who is working for the reincarnated Albert Wesker (laughs) to try and rescue her. Uh, with aid from a bunch of dweebs that kind of look like guys from the games and also Luther is there and then shit just pops off for an hour (laughs) and a half
1: that's really it like like shit pops off for an hour and a half is just the log line of this movie he went in yeah he went in to screen gyms or constantine for his pitch meeting and he just said all right uh give me several million dollars shit's just gonna pop off and they said all right paul here you go and boy howdy does shit immediately pop off in this film the oat oh, lake The opening of Afterlife, I think, is great in a really dumb way, where it's the uh, it's the I I think the novelization refers to her as the J-pop girl, uh, where she's just like in this um, in the uh, Shibuya downtown like scramble or whatever. Uh, The opening of Retribution out stupid's that in basically every conceivable way. Uh, This movie opens with uh, this incredible battle scene played first in reverse. Then we get, like, a five-minute recap of, like, every minute plot detail from the previous movies. And then it's just the same battle sequence played that normal speed. <laughs> yeah, it, it sets uh,
0: the tone, something fierce. Like, you know exactly, like, as soon as you see it play again you're like yeah. okay we're 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 fucking in for it here like
1: it's a real doozy yeah, yeah. Um, like
0: as we were watching it i think i said to you like i would give anything to be watching this movie for the first time again just to yeah. have my mind just expanded in a way that it hasn't been in 8 years like it's just
1: The bit where Jill Valentine (sighs) repels down off of the, like, umbrella vehicle and is just, like, stone-faced blasting these two Uzis into all these, like, people. It's, it's, oh my, like, this is why this episode is going to take us forever to get through. Because every, (laughs) literally every shot of this movie is is bananas. (laughs) Just, like, holy... Every single frame of this film is unhinged. Every single shot. The movie starts with, like, if you've ever seen the original animated Ghost in the Shell, the scene where she's floating in the water while, like, the music plays it's like that it's alice she's in the water she like comes out of the water she comes back up onto the deck of the ship there's there's slow motion shotgun coins the vehicle crashes jill val it's it's such a clusterfuck and it's it's amazing like it really is something to behold um i don't know how do we want to talk about this right like I, I, I could talk about any element of this movie, but why don't we go ahead and start talking with, with, with our, our, our star, our main actress here, uh, Mil- Miljovic, who is now uh, fully decked out in a up-down, com- buckled, corseted, cat suit, hot topic, mall goth, big, big boots, umbrella logo, <laughs> opera gloves
0: more belts than a fucking final fantasy <laughs> character like it's
1: like i'm just looking at the picture <laughs> of the shot that i put in the uh in the chat and she mm. just has like buckles running up and down her, her entire back like like it outlines her spine it's yep. like
0: front and back too like it's on both oh, sides it's my god it's the most ridiculous look for the entire series i mean not to not to skip too far ahead to the miliometer here but it's it's a stone cold 10 like it's 11 just out of 10 it is
1: like genuinely when i think of this franchise and i think of the costuming this catsuit that she wears in this film is always the first thing i think of like it is there have been some pretty nutty costumes in this so far right like you know there's mm-hmm. the 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 combat boots with the red dress there's uh you know the the game accurate jill valentine there's like the mad max stuff in the third film the everything in this movie is just head and shoulders like 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 that's what's i think so funny to me about this film is that it's not just a funny movie right like all of these movies are funny movies it's that something when like when he made this film on his like alchemy workbench to to craft this cinematic experience, it's like all the chemicals just popped off at once. and And the level of both like hilarity and genuine entertainment in this film is so far above anything else in the previous four movies, right? Like mm-hmm. afterlife comes close. Like like the beginning and ending of afterlife are the only things that even nearly touch it. But this movie is really just like, set piece after set piece after set piece after set piece. There is no plot, no plot to speak of. She wakes up in the facility and she has to get out. Like that's the entire thing. Uh, there's no exposition at all. Uh, there's just completely unburdened by notions of narrative, of cinematic art, of good taste. Like it, it, it's really like, I, I I keep getting tripped up over this because it really is astounding like how simultaneously artless, but just absolutely incredible this movie is for the entire time. Like 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 it, it ugh, uh I, I just get so obsessive over this film, right? Because it really is like his Mulholland drive. It's his it's his The Godfather <laughs> part two, where whatever he whatever he was doing, whatever gears clicked in his little preteen man brain to make this film. It just all meshes and is it, it it's it's astounding, like genuinely astounding. I cannot hype this movie up enough, and people are going to get pissed off because I know we're really overselling this, but like genuinely, <laughs> genuinely, it's so good. I, I I honestly
0: don't think you can oversell this. I mean, it it one hundred percent is just that teenage like hormonal boy writing a bunch of like shit that's cool because it's cool and there's no other reason to do it absolutely ben, because not. it's yeah. cool like that's yeah. it it's it's entirely there is zero substance it is all style it is all just shit going wild for 90 minutes and it's <laughs> like it, it's it's perfect like i yeah. i i cannot stress enough like how much fun just like this movie is it is devoid of anything you would think of that would make a traditionally competent film like Uh story or cinematography or (laughs) acting or like a script or anything like if you like If you got hold of the original script for this movie, it would be, like, 25 pages long. Well,
1: uh, the good (laughs) news is that the novelization is, like, 90% just dialogue ripped exactly from this mm -hmm. film. So, uh, I I have to assume that this novelization was largely written based off of the script, but um, we'll we'll, we'll talk about the movie first, and then get into that a little bit more, but... um, It really does just open up and you just know Paul is out here dick out saying, yeah, what are you going to do? This is my movie. You're just watching it, right? Like, (laughs) it's not like hostile or anything. Like, it's not like a Freddy got fingered, obviously. But like, the moment this movie begins, you just have to let go of literally any preconceived notion of cinema, of film, of narrative filmmaking, of what composes a good shot. And I mean, I will be honest. There are a few shots in this that I like that I think are genuinely framed fairly well, but like, it's just bonkers. The whole thing is just nonsense. <laughs> like, you get you get past this opening sequence, right? And we immediately go into um, what is it? It's like the uh, suburban the suburban test environment, and um, yeah, yeah, suburbia
0: yeah. or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah
1: it's. Uh, it's Mila waking up, Alice waking up, and and Carlos is there, but oh, he's not Carlos. He's he's her her, her, her clone husband, right? And we see a lot of mm-hmm. clones in this movie. Like the thing you got to know about Resident Evil Retribution is there's there's some clones in this film.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of clones in this movie. There are hundreds of thousands of clones in this movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, specifically, though, uh, this is like. You know, when we say that this movie is referencing basically everything that came before it, it really just literally is. It it, it steals a lot of set pieces just whole handedly from the previous movies. Uh, it steals characters because it has basically the entire umbrella crew from the first movie come back as clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos is here. Michelle Rodriguez is here playing, I think, two different... Three? Two? Uh, two, two, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This it's the could...
0: good Michelle Rodriguez and the bad one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, God, what Which a Which is fucking... basically,
0: like, what you could say also for Carlos and, mm-hmm. like, everybody else who's returning from the first movie.
1: Yeah. Is... See, that's, that's touching on something that's one of my legitimate... Like, if you want to step into the Thunderdome with Paul here and kind of meet him on his own terms... One of my biggest legitimate criticisms of this movie is that there is no evil Alice. We never see like an evil Alice clone or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I I I would really have liked to see that, but the problem is when you do that, then Paul has to have his wife
1: lose. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: and she doesn't ever lose. Although, I guess she kind of. The clone. Alice she does, does certainly so, beef yeah, it. The clone so. Alice does die in this film. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see her die though. We just see her corpse at one point. But yeah, this this entire Suburbia sequence, it's essentially ripped out of like Dawn of the Dead or whatever, right? Like I think
1: it's a, I think it's a direct ripoff of the Snyder Dawn of the Dead, which I've never yeah, seen. Yeah, it is. It is.
0: It pretty much is. Um They have her her and Carlos who um According to the novel, I believe you said had just yeah, finished.
1: <laughs> let me uh, let me consult the novel here. So yeah, the thing please. about the novel, right, and um, I'll, I'll touch on this now, is that um, a good portion of the novel is basically just what happens on the screen, written in like the plainest text possible, right? Like, I w- I finished this entire book in a single day. It clocks in at about three hundred and forty pages. I would call it a page turner in the sense that you clean your plate after eating a slice of bread, because the (laughs) reading level of this novel is generously at what I would call a fifth grade uh, reading level. So it really it really just kind of goes right. And um, maybe a lot of movie novelizations are like this. I don't know. Uh, This is probably one of the only ones I've ever read. But um, we do get quite a bit of interiority uh, about Alice and about Alice's sexual preferences in this novel. And um, we get a... If I can find the page here, there is a there is a little bit of a look into her life with Todd, I believe his name is, uh, what they call him in this book. And we have a little bit here... Um, where they talk about uh, wanting to have another kid. And then she says like, uh, Oh yeah, here, here we go. Here we go. So this is on page 30 of a novelization after she wakes up in the bedroom. Um, Todd looking at him, thinking that she'd known him by a different name once long ago, but that name fled from her. He was simply her husband, Todd. Nice that her husband was such a sexy guy. (laughs) Hadn't she been on a ship shooting at someone? She remembered an explosion. She'd been picked up by a shockwave, tossed like a discarded doll. She drowned, hadn't she? No, that hadn't been real. It couldn't have been. She could still smell her husband's sweat, his aftershave on her, other smells from last night when they'd made love. She felt a little sore between her legs. He oh. was a vigorous guy. Dot, dot, Jesus dot. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so... <laughs> That's kind of a little sampler of what this book has up its sleeve. Um, there is a bit where she talks about maybe wanting to get down with Chris while they're on the ship. Uh, it is extendedly uh, kind of referenced about how her and Luther have the hots for each other in this book. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's neither here nor there. We, uh, we're we in this little perfect suburban, uh, perfect suburban area. As the book uh, so aptly describes it, iconic suburban home that is the most this book describes this house um yeah, it in fact calls sure. their home uh here's the line this is their home hers and todd's their one-story old suburban ranch style house so great descriptive work there from the uh, writer john shirley describing the uh, world of this film
0: yeah so I-, I guess the thing here like the only thing that's really relevant i guess going forward in the movie is that they have a little daughter who yeah. is Becky? Uh, Becky, who is deaf, um, uh, and so obviously, you know, both her and Todd are speaking in sign language with Becky or whatever. The zombies mm-hmm. come. Uh, everything goes fucking wild. There's and this,
1: this happens in like two minutes, basically. Like this, yeah, it,
0: <laughs> like right away, like. They're sitting down for breakfast and Carlos turns around and there's just a zombie in the kitchen. Just yeah, just him. in their
1: house somehow. Yeah.
0: Um, and then all of a sudden there's 500 zombies just hanging around in the suburb. Um, they do the the whole thing there where she's running away with Becky and, you know, they're trying to fight off these zombies. Uh, eventually, Michelle Rodriguez pulls up in a car. Um, and I guess this Michelle Rodriguez clone has sort of like a character that she's kind of like a bleeding heart liberal yeah she's I a
1: she's she's a she's a girl boss like a twitter democrat she's girl, a girl boss. boss. basically yeah. yeah
0: she she's anti-gun she's got like uh-huh. uh bumper stickers on her car that say like girl boss and alpha <laughs> female <laughs> yeah. and things like that
1: yeah i only ever noticed the uh she has like stickers on her car that are like what leaves or something like little green L- yeah, leaves like all over it. or
0: something yeah. yeah
1: and then you pointed out the alpha female or whatever which i thought was very funny
0: yeah, so they they leave or they're trying to leave. They get hit by a by a like a, a truck, a waste truck or whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: It's um, basically the scene from uh, Apocalypse where the girl gets t boned yeah, while they're leaving yeah, pretty the house.
0: Much. Um, and yeah, so they run into some other house. It, at this point, I guess Michelle Rodriguez they've just let her to die. Yeah, <laughs> in well she car.
1: she wakes back up. She's like, oh damn! Like she has a she has a really stupid line there where she uh. She sits, she's like upside down in the car and she's like, oh shit, I gotta get out of here or some Looney Tunes bullshit, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, they're in a house. It's like this big three-story house.
0: Yeah, they're in a house. Uh, she puts the, the kid in like the closet or whatever and tells her to hide. They're hiding out in there. She bursts out to try and like attack this zombie that's hiding out. She kills it and then turns around and somehow, oh no, it's zombie Carlos. And then we caught to she's back in the paper towel from uh yeah from, from the end of the first movie uh-huh in a completely white room Mm-hmm. and here's where we're introduced
1: here's where this to, movie starts getting really good
0: To well not really introduced to but here's where we really see the shining star of anti-acting oh,
1: my god
0: <laughs> the performance of a lifetime here from sienna Guillory as jill valentine ryan would you like to, to kind of talk us through this
1: i you know we we've talked about this uh we we've foreshadowed this like like Chekhov's mm-hmm. performance on this podcast right we, you, and I—the two of us—know that Cena Gullery in this film is just the absolute, likely dirt worst performance in this entire franchise. Despite having that information in my head, I just cannot help but cackle every time she opens her mouth in this movie. It is—it it's unreal. She's she gets she gets introduced, and they're in this um this room that's like a uh, an octagon, like the umbrella logo. And the camera looks up at this this little room that she's in, and she's in this, like, uh, if you haven't played uh, Resident Evil 5, uh, the, the best way I can describe this is that she's basically, like, Baroness from G.I. Joe in this movie, if you get that reference. Mm-hmm. like She's in this, like, skin-tight, uh, open-chested, blue latex catsuit with this uh, big mind-control scarab on her chest and all of her lines are just it's it's nuts she she looks down and the first thing she says is project alice who do you work for project alice why did you leave umbrella like that is how she delivers every single line yeah. in this film like if you've seen food fight if you've seen the film food fight she is basically mrs x or whatever her name is lady x the the villain character from food fight like All she does in this movie is trot around and like bark at people. What's the line? What's the line she had later? I didn't take any notes because I was so enraptured by the movie. I just didn't. I just wasn't able to write anything down. (laughs) But where she's like, da-da-da-da-da, da-da, and she like takes this, she takes this like breath in the middle of her line. Oh my God. I should have written it down because it's nuts. But I can't
0: remember the exact line either, but I know I like Every time she opens her mouth, it is impossible to not laugh at at what she's saying, like how she's delivering it, how she's trying to Mm -hmm. speak. Like, I have no idea (laughs) what she was thinking, you know, like, like...
1: If I was being her
0: choices were like what was what was going through her head? I just don't know.
1: If I am being charitable towards this film, right? If I am giving Mm. it like the widest sort of interpretation possible, I can see Paul just being like, "Okay, you're mind controlled. Act like a mind control person would be." And so her interpretation of that is just like stilted, like barking, like valley girl authoritarianism it's very bizarre it's really weird because she also does lines where she has that kind of like upper inflection like you would expect a valley girl voice where she's like project alice like shoot to kill it's so it's so goofy they really should have just like Made a Saturday morning Resident Evil cartoon out of this movie because that's what this is, right? <laughs> like the the best way to describe this film to someone who hasn't seen it, who who doesn't really, you know, have a conception of just like how you know nutty this movie is. Like it is basically a video game as a movie. Like they yes, they they go through and uh, and uh, Ada Wong is there and she releases she releases uh alice from the chamber or whatever right like she turns off the mind control scarabs and um maybe we can go into this in a little bit more detail but essentially what ends up happening is eventually she gets picked up by wesker uh, who is who is like skyping in uh from wherever he is which i won't spoil but hopefully (laughs) you've seen the movie by now um he's he's like skyping in and basically he literally lays out the entire plot of the movie right right the the whole thing is they're in this mm-hmm. test facility that has all these different locations based on real world environments that umbrella can test the T virus outbreaks in right and he literally just straight up shows them a wireframe and is like okay Okay, Alice, you have to go uh, here. What can I do to get into the to the Wesker character? You should have brought more. He's like, you have to go through the Moscow environment and the suburbia environment and the submarine pen environment. Like, he's basically just saying, "Okay, Spyro, here's the levels you have to platform (laughs) through to like to like get out of this, get out of the world." Right? It's literally laid out beat by beat and he's like we're sitting in a team and they're going to go to the moscow environment then you see the team of the moscow environment right like there Mm -hmm. is no room for ambiguity whatsoever you know everything that's going to happen in this film from the moment it begins (laughs) like (laughs) there's no foreshadowing everything is just told to you directly and it whips so much ass it's so fucking good
0: yeah, it, it's a movie completely devoid of subtext. It is all text, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you're right. Like it is even more than than the other movies in the series. It is very video gamey. It's video gamey even for a video game movie. Yeah, because it is literally set up like a traditional video game style with levels that they're basically yeah. going through. This movie this um, movie
1: is literally Spy Kids 3D Game Over. Like that is the closest cultural reference I can think of to compare this movie to. It's um yeah. it's just them going through all these different locations and and shooting and kicking and the camera goes wild and shit happens and at the end you're like wow, okay. I definitely just watched something with my eyeballs for an hour and 25 minutes. Oh, uh, God. But she... Uh, I, I do want to talk about the uh, the first thing that happens when she gets out of the, uh, the Umbrella interrogation room, which is that she goes down the uh, laser hallway. They bring back the laser hallway because of a fucking course they do. Uh, another reused set piece. And she ends up in the uh, Shibuya scramble from the beginning of Afterlife. And this is like... The first, I think, really genius moment. And by genius, I do mean stupid genius because it sucks ass <laughs> where she is like walking through the Shibuya scramble. And then the music comes in from the beginning of Afterlife. And it literally just replays the beginning of Afterlife where the J-pop girl turns into a zombie, except Alice is there. And they even reuse the footage where she's in the rain looking at the dude. And yeah. it's incredible. It's so good. She like um, she breaks open this uh, japanese police cruiser and pulls out i know it's not a desert eagle but it's this massive handgun just like yeah it's enormous it's yeah. like you could kill
0: like a fucking lion with this thing it is just yeah, yeah it is enormous
1: i didn't realize and the japanese police department carried that much heat like i i don't think they do but according to paul i guess they i guess they according should. to
0: paul yeah um Yes, they basically just kind of edit her into the opening of Afterlife.
1: Yeah. Um there's this great shot it, it lingers on for some reason where the J-pop girls like coming around Alice's side and they like kind of like bump into each other and it goes into slow motion. And it's almost like it's almost like I know there's a name for it that I can't remember, but the um the religious imagery where mary is like holding jesus like alice Mm, is like almost cradling this girl as like rain falls in slow motion for like no reason at all there's no reason for it to be in slow motion if they took all the slow motion out of this movie it would be an hour long like like just genuinely it would cut half an hour out of this movie
0: yeah there's so much slow motion that's just like somebody's just walking or whatever yeah. like are just yeah. standing around it's just in slow-mo for no reason at all um yeah, yeah. And, and so like i guess the whole thing here is this is where we sort of really see that these are just simulations i guess right like uh-huh. because yeah. The giant Rockstar logo, like, um... Like, Rockstar Energy logo. Yeah. Just
1: opens... Like, like light comes and, spilling out of it, like the light of God.
0: Yeah, a lot of product placement in this movie. Hell like, of a lot
1: of product placement.
0: All over the place. Like, there, there's Rockstar Energy Drink, there's GameStop, Pepsi, mm-hmm. Mountain Dew, the Carfax, Fox Levi's... Yeah. Uh, Carfax, Norton Antivirus, like... <laughs> it's so good it's in here it's really good it's really good
1: the um this is great uh she like the big the big icon it's the big iconic shibuya building right it's like the 106 Mm -hmm. department store whatever it's called like 109 Uh, and, and it just opens up like uh hot dog style and um this this next bit that happens is maybe actually my favorite fight scene in this whole franchise where she runs through the, uh, the, the, the hallway that looks like the apartment from 2001 space odyssey. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and all the, uh, the, the Tokyo zombies coming after her, this, this action sequence is deranged, right? Like there's <laughs> like this movie, the cinematography of the action sequences in this franchise is invariably just trash the the, they they this is not as incomprehensible as it becomes in final chapter right but it is still very difficult to tell where you're supposed to be oriented at any point during these sequences because i don't know if you've heard of a little thing called the 180 rule in filmmaking uh Mm -hmm. paul w s anderson has no such regard for uh (laughs) for that particular you know tenet of of cinematography and um what we get here is her and she's in this hallway uh she's whipping around this bicycle chain and just slamming in all these zombies she's doing backflips there's like four moments where the bullet goes into bullet time and just goes through <laughs> these zombies skulls uh it's it's great she she does the classic thing where she breaks the uh, the zombie's head with her legs Maybe the best part of this is where she throws a magazine up into the middle of the air and then like catches it later to reload. Yeah, it's very John Woo, right? It's very um, it is very much. It's very like face off where there's um, this choir of angels singing as this magazine is flying through the air in slow motion. It's just bullshit, right? This whole movie. This whole movie is just cobbled together from pieces of other better films, including Paul's own other better films, which I think is why it's as good as it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, this whole sequence is just bananas. And like you said, like the camera angle is changing so much. And one, like at one point, she's on the left of the screen, then she's on the right. Like It is impossible to orient where things are going. She's just kind of like like there there are elements of this fight scene especially when it gets down to just her and the um the j-pop girl or whatever and and it happens again later in another fight scene that we'll talk about but like it almost Uh, feels like like mexican lucha libre okay it's it's like this you know heavily choreographed like acrobatic dance more than it is a fight okay yeah sorts Um, there's, there's
1: a lot of body slams in this movie
0: There is a lot of body slams in this movie. There's a lot of body slams. There's a lot of using each other as sort of like springboards to do flips and sick (laughs) kicks and spins and stuff you know like it it has that sort of flow of mexican wrestling to it which i think is like kind of cool but also it just makes it incredibly hard to watch because it's all in slow motion yeah and the camera work is all over the place and none of it makes any
1: sense niall we're like 12 minutes into this movie and we've been recording this podcast (laughs) for 40 christian minutes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um <laughs> so so she does this she does this fight scene it's very cool and it's very badass and um the the one of my favorite parts about this movie that i don't think we've mentioned is how much he leans into like the security camera shots like oh, um, so much there's a ton of moments in this movie where in the past in resident evil what paul does is he puts up a uh, security camera footage with like an hud and puts up information about, like, the character, like, plot beats or whatever else. For the first stretch of this movie, it is, like, constant, and it conveys no information. Like, it doesn't even do that. Like, we just will randomly cut to seeing her with, like, a red filter over the camera with all these, like, meaningless numbers yeah. and, like, graphs and gauges and shit like that. Uh, so she goes, and this is where I mentioned that she meets up with Wesker, where he lays out the... Uh, the str- I won't say the plot of the film... But the structure of the experience going forward, um, yeah,
0: it's where um, where Ada shows up because it's like it's this weird like <laughs> central security office where everybody's desks are underground until you walk in and they yeah. raise from the ground, and then just this gun rack raises from the ground. <laughs> yeah. um, but everyone's dead because Ada's killed them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ada here is
1: um, tell us about Ada. You're, I think, I think you know more about this situation than I do.
0: Yeah, so, you know, one of the things with these movies, obviously, is they're huge internationally. Um, And I guess this was the movie where they decided they wanted to break the Chinese market, which, you know, obviously, because it's a movie you want to break into the Chinese market. Uh, So they cast um, a woman named Li Bingbing, who is, as I understand it, sort of like, to Chinese cinema, what, like... Angelina Jolie is in, you know, the West, like sure. A-lister of A-listers, basically, uh-huh. um, like that Jolie, Scarlett Johansson, somebody like that. Um. So they cast her in this movie, but they ADR every single line that she has. So it's not actually her you're hearing. It's the, I, f- I forget her name, but it's the, it's the woman who was doing the voice of Ada in the video games to this point. She doesn't do her anymore, but uh-huh. yeah that's basically what it is and it's very obvious when you watch it mm-hmm. that like it's it's 80 yards so
1: yeah um
0: i guess that was their that was their whole idea to try and you know break I, the chinese market
1: see i'm glad that you brought up the international market because that's maybe one of my favorite things about this movie is that mm. They literally sat down and they were like, okay, how can we break the international market and put all these locations in? And Paul was just like, fuck it. What if they were all like in a warehouse, key New York style? <laughs> and they just walked between them. <laughs> yeah. Like they go, they go to Japan, uh, they go to Moscow, uh, they, they go to, I guess, suburbia, you know, whatever. But um, it is like just very transparently him being like, okay, how can I put. Um, how can I put my fucking, like, cool James Bond car chase sequence in this movie? Fuck it, they'll just, like, walk into a Moscow simulation and there'll be zombies that can drive cars. Like, who who gives a shit? <laughs>
0: I, the entire Moscow sequence is just unbelievable.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I... God, I... Fuck this movie, this fucking movie. So I, I'd like to mention here that by this point in the book, we're almost 100 pages in, right? We're almost a third of the mm-hmm. way through this book at this point in the movie. And um, this is where the uh, the book first really starts to diverge from the canon of the film. Um next up in both of them we get like a little cutaway to Jill Valentine right like it's her stomping around in like the umbrella the umbrella uh, interrogation room there's like a security camera we know that the uh, the the red queen is here now right uh Wesker tells yes. them that the that Wesker this is the most plot you need to know for this film Wesker is no longer with Umbrella he's gone rogue and the 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 weird child AI from the first film the red queen has taken over umbrella but that will not be relevant for the rest of this movie um yeah
0: and and also wesker is alive again for (laughs) for just reasons i don't
1: think i don't think they (laughs) they they mention it in the movie but the book does say that the wesker in afterlife was a clone uh uh, you know interesting so so who cares like really just who who cares (laughs) um (laughs) i think it's funnier just imagining that he's somehow alive again um, but no, and we get a, we, we get the setup, we find out, we get the reveal that they're like underwater or whatever, right? That they're under a bunch of ice. And Wesker's like, oh, the Russian submarine pins. They built them in the 80s during the Cold War. And Umbrella souped them up a little bit. And they sold the Tokyo simulation data to the Chinese. And they sold the Chinese simulation to the Japanese. And so that's kind of like your big exposition. Like... Wesker is literally only here to expose like the most bare bones narrative necessary to understand what's happening in this movie, and then you don't see him again until like the last three minutes. Um, and even then, even then, he still almost steals steals the show. Um, I mean, he, he's
0: he's pretty much like the yeah. reason for this yeah. show's existence.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. this this um, this entire podcast would not exist without Albert Wesker's performance in this film. Uh oh. what happens here is that um Jill is chasing after them and uh, Ada and uh you know Alice end up in the New York simulation, and I think this is where we pick up with the uh the, the, the five stooges who are mm-hmm. uh, Barry, uh Leon Kennedy, Luther, Sergey, and then a guy who is not named in this film. <laughs> like yeah. just some random fifth guy. Yeah, uh, just some
0: dude with a ponytail. He's just hanging out. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, so so they're going to come in and break into Umbrella Prime and and I guess extract Alice and Ada. I don't know why they need <laughs> help, why they can't just extract themselves. But uh, you know, because basically all five of these guys beef it almost immediately. Um like <laughs> like like we 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 wean out uh the the nameless guy and Sergei pretty quickly and then it's just Barry Leon and um Luther, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean I, I I mentioned this when we were watching it. I I mean I've I've never thought he was good, but the guy they get to play Leon in this is like he's not quite as bad as Sienna Guillory, but he is rough. He's
1: pretty bad. I I always describe him as like a bootleg like Hemsworth brother because he does kind yeah. of have that look to him. Like this yeah, is a is. guy that should be on the CW on some like like you know supernatural spinoff or um you know like the Flash like like uh, what was his name JG Wentworth Wentworth Miller whatever
0: Wentworth Miller yeah yeah
1: sure uh I mean this is where this movie really picks up and just kind of goes right like after after mm-hmm. they uh, get the Wesker debriefing it really just kind of rolls up into this gradually like avalanche snowball of just complete ridiculous until it gets so big by the last three minutes of this movie that it just kind of engulfs cinema as an art form <laughs> i would say <laughs> yeah, uh, they're
0: kind of just like dicking around in this submarine pen that has the most hammer and sickles you've ever it's, seen in your it's life. It's
1: nuts! Like There's just, like, every five feet there's a red star hammer and sickle graphic. It's, like, I, I've never been to Russia, you know, I've never seen the inside of a decommissioned submarine pin. Maybe they look like this, but I'm gonna say I, I highly doubt it.
0: No. And, and like, the fucking elevator that opens in the middle of just <laughs> this ice sheet. Yeah. Oh, uh, the basic idea here is that they have what, like two hours to get in, mm-hmm. get the girls and get out basically, right? Yeah. Um, before, before the bomb they set explodes and or Umbrella shows up to overwhelm them Sure, is the idea or something, right?
1: Yeah, you don't really need um, to know the reason for the timer. You just need to know that there is a timer.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- that's that's really all that's important. Paul, so... took,
1: Paul took a screenwriting refresher course, and they said, you've always got to have a ticking clock in your movie. And he was like, great mm-hmm. ticking clock. I can literally do that. I will literally put <laughs> a ticking clock that means absolutely nothing in this film.
0: Oh my God. Paul W. Sanderson... Gotta be in Screenwriting 101. I I think that's Um, being
1: generous.
0: (laughs) So I guess they somehow... Like, the the boys here somehow wind up in this Moscow um, (sighs) simulation... Where
1: they're accosted by... (laughs) Let's talk about the Moscow simulation. God. This is... Like... You have had the privilege of watching this film with director's commentary, right? You've you've watched yes. this a couple times with the commentary on. I have I have mm-hmm. yet to see that. I get the feeling that this Moscow sequence, and I guess we can talk about this sort of in the abstract, right? Like not really going beat by beat through it. This yeah, yeah. this this Moscow sequence is bananas. Paul sat down and he said, okay, I want. Zombies. I want zombies driving cars. I want zombies driving motorcycles. I want zombies with machine guns. Uh, Fuck it. Let's just give them a parasite that makes them normal, except they're zombies and they can shoot machine guns. Like, this is maybe the funniest, I think, for me, like, Liberty taken with the uh, source material, right? Because in the games, Mm -hmm. um, in Resident Evil 4, there's the Las Plagas parasite. And what the Las Plagas parasite does in that canon is it doesn't really make people into zombies it puts like a john carpenter's the thing parasite in their brain which makes them like turn into these weird like you know flesh kind of insect you know fucked up monsters right and Mm -hmm. um in this movie it's like oh it's the parasite but it just makes zombies able to shoot guns
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and also what if all the zombies were wearing like World War II-era Russian Oh, army my uniform. God.
1: Like, that's the funniest thing, right? Is that it's not even that it's just, like, a Moscow simulation where it's, like, the Russian army. It is, like, specifically a hyper-dated aesthetic of, like, World mm-hmm. War II Cold War Russian, you know, military outfits. Uh, which, you know, I, I gotta wonder... Did they did they set the simulation, like, back in the day? Is there a reason for that? But no, I think it's just because Paul thought it looked cool, right?
0: Yeah, I think it is, because they're, like, the boys kind of just, like, hole up in, like, an, an electronics store, right, uh-huh. or something? Yeah. And so, like, there's all this modern tech, and as we'll see later, there's just, like, a fucking 2012-ass Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> uh complete with like rims and under like underbody lighting neon like that shows up so yeah yeah i think i think it's really just cuz it looks cool
1: and i'll be honest it does look pretty fucking cool i mean um concurrently while they are you know in this kind of uh foxhole like in this you know store um uh, Mila and Ada have have gone through this uh this New York simulation where they fight not one, but two of the big ax wielding zombies from afterlife and from resident evil five. Um, mm-hmm. They, uh, the, the, like that sequence, there's nothing I can even say about it. Right. Like, I feel like I am now writing the movie novelization where I just have to say, yep, there's, there's zombies and they're big and they have axes. They, they swing a taxi. They do some backflips. It's, it's, it's real goofy. Um, yeah. But uh, they've wound up,
0: Back in like the suburbia yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: picked up the the little girl clone uh
1: mm-hmm. and
0: been reintroduced to the entire crew from the first movie <laughs> yeah they, they
1: they like pick up this girl who's hiding in this house uh and she's like oh mom what happened to your hair and so mila or alice is her mom now basically like that is yeah. alice's character arc is that she is now sigourney weaver from aliens in this movie um, yeah,
0: and she can now speak sign language fluently. Yeah, um, just, <laughs> which the movie does instantly. not explain at all.
1: No, uh, the book the book explains that a bit. Do you want me to? Do you want me to kind of uh, give you a taste of the canon, which is sort of established in the novel? Please, yeah. So I always assumed that the reason she was able to speak sign language in this is because there is a. Uh, I think there's an assumed like minor degree of telepathy between the clones, right? Where they where they like have. Certain memories, I guess, and that's brought up in the book. But no, the reason Alice knows sign language in this is that she's just always known it. <laughs> like she's apparently yeah. she's apparently just always been able to, but we've just never seen it come up. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like that's part of her umbrella commando training is to is to learn ASL. So, um, they walk out and they see Michelle Rodriguez and Carlos and the the other guy and Jill, and they're just like sitting in this like swing, uh, and they they light up this house. Uh, Alice escapes. There's a lot of slow motion missiles and bullets and shit like that. Like, like the thing about this movie is that it literally is impossible to describe. Like, I, I, I made fun of the guy who wrote the novel when I was reading it, just because of how simple his descriptions are of everything. But like, mm-hmm. you literally cannot describe what occurs on the screen during this film in any satisfactory outlet of the human English language. Like there's just there's no, just no, no way to do it.
0: <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, basically somewhere along the line here, Ada gives her just a regular pair of glasses, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And um is like, oh, you gotta go and I'll hold them off or whatever. And Yeah, so she leaves the house with Becky, and then I guess they just <laughs> end up in like like a subway <laughs>
1: yeah, <they> like, <laughs> in Moscow? I I really don't know how these two bits connect, right? Like, I don't know if we actually see yeah. them walking, but one second they're in, uh, as the book calls it, the iconic American suburbs, and then the next they're in, like, a Russian subway station. And, um, yeah, I
0: think it's that, like, they established that you can just walk through the walls from one end to the other, right, or something? Yeah, something like that. Something like that, I don't know. Um, which is where... Good Michelle Rodriguez just shows up oh, again. Oh
1: yeah, she's like, "Oh, you made it. What's with the S Get up, because uh, she's got the cat suit." Uh, and, mm-hmm. and and some shit happens. You know, she teaches Good Michelle Rodriguez how to shoot a gun. Uh, she says the line, "It's just like a camera. You point and shoot." Um, mm-hmm. And then shit pops off. Like this is where um, shit pops off. This is where they meet up with the with the hashtag Moscow Boys. And the um, shit's going down. There's a, there's a Russian zombie with a chainsaw that like saws the unnamed or not. Is it? Yeah. It's the unnamed guy. I, it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he is only in this movie to get sliced in half hot dog style by a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so shit's looking rough for the Moscow boys. There's, there's this entire army of like undead. Uh. And then there is a liquor. Oh, it's a big, big liquor, big, big, big brain, big boy. And, um, it eats, I think Sergei is the other one. Um, yeah. And oh no, everything's looking pretty fucked up. But then who rolls up in a a purple underlit carriage, spinning (laughs) rims, brand spanking new Chrome Rolls Royce. It's Alice. Your Uber driver is here. And I think this is probably one of my favorite sequences in this whole movie. Is the uh, the James Bond Rolls Royce, chainsaw, chain gun, machine gun, motorcycle, zombie, (laughs) Moscow, blowing up cars, (laughs) jumping off ramps, uh, car chase, zombie car chase. We get here really, really potent material. Like
0: rocket launchers.
1: It is so it's so disconnected from anything that's been in this franchise before and it absolutely whips ass. like as nutty as these movies have been in the past, they never really like jumped the shark, right like there are definitely times mm. where they've been kind of goofy with the zombie the zombie stuff, but this is just straight up Paul wanting to put a fun car chase in his big his big ostensibly zombie movie. This movie is not about zombies at all.
0: Uh, no, l- let's get no. that clear.
1: <laughs> Uh, zomb- the zombies in this film are a complete afterthought. They serve two purposes. They serve to be a Dawn of the Dead ripoff in the suburban thing. And then they just chase dudes around on motorcycles. And that's it. None of the rest of this film is about the T-virus. None of it is about the undead. None of it is about anyone getting bitten or turning into a zombie or having to fight a monster. Like, all that is just completely out the window for the sake of this story about clones and albert wesker (laughs) and umbrella (laughs) and mind control and underlit floors and whatever whatever else is bouncing around in his brain but 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 as a resident evil title zombies are are not even secondary i would say probably tertiary (laughs) To this yeah film. they're
0: they exist purely to be set dressing for yeah. like this movie they are they are nothing else they they have no real point of existing it's like it even feels like the um dawn of the dead ripoff scene is just kind of there to like not make fans of the games that mad <laughs> about the lack of zombies like sure because yeah. functionally, like the Russian zombies aren't zombies functionally because they have motor skills. They're able to drive <laughs> cars and shoot rocket yeah. launchers. So like, they're not zombies. They're just guys who are kind of fucked up looking like they're like, they came off the set of thriller or something, you know, uh-huh. like, it's, it's, it's fucking bananas. So somehow that is she like, as, as this giant liquors, like chasing them at the Rolls Royce. Yeah she works her way down into the subway again, which collapses and traps the liquor, I guess. And that's like, Oh, we did it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they're just kind of like dicking around in the tunnel. Yeah, they're kind of just done. In.
1: Like that's it. Like that, yeah. like that happens and they just leave. And like that's that part of yeah. the movie. Um, <laughs> they're in the, they're in the tunnel and they catch up. And, um, she uses the, the, the Ada Wong eyeglasses to chart a, uh, to chart like a, like a path out of the facility. And so, um, basically like we're, we're already kind of coming up on like the last 40 minutes of this movie, which I guess is like for a movie, this short, just kind of like the back half, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but no, that's really it. They, they go out, they leave the Russian simulation. Becky is there uh, and they get to the elevator, but then Jill and her, her, well, first the liquor attack, well, Jill and the liquor attacks, basically. Um, yeah. They, they, yeah. they get there. Uh, Luther gets, I think shot. Barry, who is there, gets slammed by the liquor and goes flying. Uh, Good, good Michelle Rodriguez uh, gets swiped and just, like, breaks her neck on, like, the wall or something. Like, kind of fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And the liquor takes Becky, like, Alien Queen style from Aliens.
0: Yeah, it just takes her up into, like, a vent or something, which, of course, Mila gets, like, real mad about. And so, and, and, like, the thing here as well is that Jill and the gang have Ada as well, so they're, like, holding her hostage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mila decides that she's going to go after the the giant liquor here, uh, which Lee. So she leaves, goes up and in, in through the vents, and we get this like sequence of mm-hmm. basically like cover based third person shooter <laughs> yeah. where the two the two sides are just popping out of cover, shooting at each other. Uh-huh. And this this is one of the moments where I really lose it because they use the same shot. Of oh, yes.
1: yes, 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 <laughs> yes. The way... We we really should devote some time to Jill here because... Mm-hmm. we should. Like, as much as we talk about Wesker being an alien in these films and just being weird and fucked up, the way... Cena Gullery stance in this movie is unforgivable like she's constantly when she's shooting she's in like a power stance where she has her legs like all the way out to the side and just has her arms like completely out in front of her just drilling into people with these dual machine guns and um, the shot you're referring to right is her like stepping out and then like just just shooting right like it's just the same shot it's uh, it's it's really good really good stuff I think
0: yeah, and, and, like, the way she's trying to simulate that she's firing these guns is she's sort of, like, shimmying her shoulders. Yeah, yeah. the recoil, Recoil really... not a
1: problem, not a problem with these guns. Yeah,
0: it's really unconvincing. She's making this weird, like, pouting face <laughs> as she's doing it. And, and they reuse the same shot, like, four or five times, just, like... At slightly different amounts of zoom, mm-hmm. and every time it's just more and more
1: ridiculous. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think the last time she yells something as well, and it's just really bad. It's she's incredible.
1: I think that last time when she yells is what I was talking about earlier, where she like says something and like she's yeah. like, We have them cornered and I need you to bring out the prisoner or whatever. Like like That's right. She, That's what
0: it is, she, is bring out the prisoner. She has right.
1: like a really weird break in her line delivery. Like, I don't know. I I feel like I really appreciated Jill a lot more on this watch than I had in the past, right? Because mm-hmm. Wesker's not in this movie much, and I do think Jill kind of steps up and takes that place for him, where she is just c- consistently balls to the wall, absurd in every way. How she moves, how she speaks, her costume. Uh, she is the she is the afterlife Albert Wesker of this movie. I think um, she is. But, uh, shit happens like like this gunfight is interminable. I could not tell you what happens during it, but, um, Alice goes up and she finds the uh, the clone girl like cocooned uh like again alien style by the slicker, which mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing liquors could do, but I guess no. this is like a it's like a big one, so it has it has special movie yeah. powers, and um she saves the clone girl and she blows up the liquor uh with 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 uh, some grenades or no she shoots it and she grabs some grenades from another one of the cocoons and um then they go and they find probably one of the funniest bits in this whole movie they find oh it, it's like a it's like a when you go to the dry cleaners and you see all the clothes like on the racks like being yeah. motorized <laughs> except it's all like really shitty cgi like sims 4 models of of mila and the clone girl and like all the other clones just like whizzing around this room on these racks
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah just like thousands and thousands of terrible cgi clones and the daughter is like freaking out because she's like mommy is that you you know and at some point here i think like she realizes that alice is not her mom yes like that she knows and mela just goes i am now, yeah she, she goes something. she goes
1: you're not my mommy and then alice goes i am now and then like she repels up <laughs> into the ceiling as the grenade explodes and like kills oh, the liquor God. and i guess all these clones too or whatever um
0: yeah and i guess here is where the the bomb that Leon and the boys uh, set goes off, mm-hmm. and it just starts flooding. Um, yeah,
1: Barry dies. Barry Barry gets shot to Barry death. Barry dies. Yeah. He
0: he he gets this uh, big like heroes moment, I guess, sort of where he, he gets really, shot,
1: and then he doesn't do anything like, in this movie. Like he no, he does not a damn thing.
0: <laughs> no, he's just there. He's just there because Barry is a character you know from the game. Yeah, like Leon. It's, yeah, it's like we can put a guy in a red jacket sure like there i I actually think the actor who plays him is like third build in the movie for some reason
1: his his name was one of the first ones to come up during the credits i don't know if he is like someone i should know i don't know if that was part of his contract or what but he was listed before sean roberts like literally the second the second or third person
0: yeah, I think he. I think he's like after Mila and Michelle Rodriguez. God. his name is Kevin Durand. Um, uh huh. Let me see. Has he been in anything that you'd know him from? Let's find out. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. From the looks of it, yeah, he's he, like he's a, he is a character actor. Sure. Let's say, yeah, he, he is. A, he is much like Kim Coates. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that you know, from that thing that you saw. Once. Sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. He really just kind of stands around and grumbles in this movie. And then he, um, he has like a Carlos style death from extinction where he smokes a fat, yeah, a, a fat cigar and then gets, gets, mm-hmm. gets ventilated by Jill and her goons. But, um, yeah. the, the bombs go off and Luther and Leon ride up on this elevator. They ride like the water that's rushing into the facility. And then, um, Mila catches up with them and then they're back out in the ice and, uh, you know shit happens they're in this like vehicle all all four of them, and the and the girl and now we're we're already in like the last twenty six minutes of this movie. This movie goes by fast, and again, it is oh, yeah. impossible to describe what's happening during any of it, but um, the last twenty six minutes of this movie is is perfect cinema. This is like it's unreal. this is the part of this movie I think about when I think about this film,
0: yeah, totally. So I guess they're just, they're driving along the Siberian ice, uh, like this frozen ocean. There is like a million like wrecked ships here as well, just like frozen into this ice. Um, and then just mm-hmm. some <laughs> submarine just breaks through God. the ice and knocks them over. It's, it's incredible. It's so it's good. It's so good. What
1: I like about this movie, and this is something I actually do like about this movie, to be honest, like, like peel back you know any irony about it any sort of like you know film school like oh you know this movie is artless which it is artless don't get me wrong but like this uh this movie actually has like a soundtrack to it like it has like a lay motif and like a score in ways that the other mm-hmm. ones don't mm-hmm. um you hear it first at the beginning where it plays the, the forwards backwards sequence and you hear it again. It's like this done. Like it, it has, it has this like very, you know, uh, distinct sort of score. And as it's playing as like the submarine is coming up in slow motion <laughs> and Jill and Michelle Rodriguez and Ada Wong are just like walking out of the submarine as, as Alice just looks on. It's so good. It's, it's absolutely sublime. Like the. It's it's great. The soundtrack application in this film is probably the best of any of these movies outside of the first one, where it was just like Marilyn Manson and Perfect Circle or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just like freezing themselves to death out here just on the ice (laughs) Ada just like in her fucking red cocktail dress oh yeah Jill titties out like it's Michelle Rodriguez just in her like tactical vest it's so ridiculous Mm -hmm. and I guess like here we get the double fight scene. To end oh all fight god, this
1: is so good. This is, is, is so so so, so good. great. This it is, is so great. This is the part of movie. This is the part of this movie I like to show people to convince them to watch this movie. Right, like, mm-hmm. like it really is kind of blowing the load a bit early. I think because it is so absurd. But um, like we start out and Jill comes out in her G.I. Joe Baroness mind control outfit. And then uh, Michelle Rodriguez, who who I'm just going to uh, call Rain, right? Because that was her character from the first one, and that's what they call her in the book too. Uh, Rain injects herself with the Las Plagas parasite, and she gets like she doesn't really change physically. In the book, they describe all the Las Plagas zombies as having glowing red eyes, which is just not in the movie at all. Um, In the book, she she like hulks out a bit. She doesn't really in the in well, sorry, yeah, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself in the book she hulks out like she kind of mutates a bit right uh in the movie yeah. she doesn't she just gets angry <laughs> she just gets kind of mad yeah.
0: she gets angry luther and leon like pump her full of bullets and she just kind of like
1: great great moment here. her neck yeah
0: and you just see the bullets like moving under her skin towards her hand and they all just come out the top of her fingers it's
1: so good it's so so it's so great good. They, it's so silly. They have a they have kind of a three like a, a three person fight with her. Um, they they just can't they can't stop her and we get um. Luther beefs it during this fight. He gets a Mortal Kombat yeah. kill cammed. like she fist palms him in the heart and we see like an internal view of his ribs breaking as his heart stops. It's so fucking good. It's like um. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the Mortal Kombat thing, but it always reminds me of the bit in Ricky O where he punches the guy and you see oh, the like yeah, yeah, yeah. the flash of his head imploding. Um Yeah.
0: And and they they do this X-ray thing three times in this fight. Once she does it to Leon and breaks his arm, which never affects him no. because he's still using his arm. Uh she hits Luther in the in the chest and stops his heart. She then does it later to Alice, which doesn't stop uh her heart, mm-hmm. but does break her like stardom or whatever breaks several ribs ribs. yeah yeah um but yeah they're having this fight um while at the same time jill and alice are having their just incredible weapons it's so good
1: (laughs) the moment where they're fighting and like alice leans over or jill leans over to like body slam the other one and they're locked arms and like bent over and they look directly at the camera is so good like that's the thing about this movie, right, is is Paul Anderson literally, oh, and you can attest to this, you've listened to the commentary, he only does shit in this movie if he thinks it's going to look cool. Which is a very yeah. stupid way to direct a film, but in his defense, it does whip ass most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Like it does. Like, them, it does. them just, like, holding that moment while they look up into the camera... It's like I don't know if I would call it traditionally good but it certainly has a genesis qua that's like almost ethereal like it transcends the boundaries of rules of cinema and just becomes yeah. something that's that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I I think the the thing about it is it's both a traditionally good competently put together shot but when you take into account the setting where they're on just a sheet <laughs> of ice in in latex cat suits yeah with their titties out like it's just <laughs> like those those the, the just dissonance between those two things together just makes it like it just comes together into something that's it's both beautifully incompetent and also competent and really good at the same time yeah. it just it, it's it's the shot that more than any like distills the good and bad of this movie totally, i feel like totally. you know
1: um it's uh it's, it's pretty good. it's it's really something the whole fight is really something right um it is yeah. i i remember uh when we were convincing people that we knew to watch this movie uh, that was something i put in the side tube but someone had put like a Linkin Park song over over the fight, yeah. <laughs> uh, which yeah. is really just what this shit is made for. It's made for teen boys to be like, "Oh, this is so cool! They've got their titties out, you know, skin tight latex cat suits," which you know, fair, like you know, whatever. Sure, uh, sure. But at the same time, it's it's <laughs> it's really something. Like yeah,
0: it- these 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 um like it was the same for Afterlife, but these last two movies. The sort of climactic action sequences are the stuff of like AMV, oh, totally. like early YouTube yeah. gold. Like yeah. that's what that's what early YouTube was created for was these just ridiculous fucking sequences in Paul W. S. <laughs> Anderson movies. Like it, it is that exact tone. Like you could put any like Linkin Park song or. Like a limp song oh, or totally. anything like yeah. that over it, and it totally fucking works. Like it's it's these movies, and it's like Fight Club, like you know, like sure. it's, it's 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 that tone, and it it's so great. It's really great. Yeah. So I guess like this is kind of like one of the rare occasions here where Alice kind of loses. Jill kind of just kicks yeah. the shit out of her mm-hmm. and is is about to kill her. She's like holding her up to the um like spinning wheels of their overturned like vehicle whatever this thing is mm-hmm. and for some reason like we, we're we supposed to be looking through jill's eyes with her like uh video game hud eyes but we're actually like not like the way the camera's positioned it's clearly the camera's the completely camera. wrong yeah yeah um and so she's about to kill Alice, and Alice just reaches down and grabs the mind control scarab <laughs> off her titties and throws it away. Yeah, and that's that. Like it's it's such that's a Paul yeah. like get out for it. Like it's like <laughs> the the most. It's like the biggest cop out you could possibly. Have.
1: It rules. It's so good. Like I think what's I think the funniest part about it is that like. There's the implication that she knows she can just take off this mind control thing, right? Because she did it to uh, she did it to, to uh, Claire in Afterlife, yeah. And yeah. so to go through this entire fight and then only think of that at the very last second, not to do not to do my Cinemasins ding on this one, but it is very funny. It's um, very funny. And uh, Luther Luther dies. The one named character from the previous film beefs it, mm-hmm. uh, and then this is uh, one of the best stupid brilliant moments in this whole movie uh jill tosses alice the gun and alice uh, shoots at shoots at rain and rain's like don't you remember you can't kill me and then she's like i don't have to and then it turns out oh shit she was shooting the ice and rain falls through the ice and gets dragged down by all the uh, russian military <laughs> <Yeah>. zombies <laughs> into the yeah, water again
0: the zombies just congregating around wherever the main characters are here. oh yeah yeah. Swimming up from the submerged facility, like a hundred of these fucking things pulling rain down. Yeah. It's like a, it's, it's like in Afterlife
1: oh. when I said her jumping off the building was a renaissance painting. This is like a renaissance mm. painting of it Michelle is. Rodriguez getting pulled down through these shafts of light into dark waters by this like literal pyramid of zombies that's uh, swimming up out of the depths. But um, that's it like she 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 sinks Michelle Rodriguez and I think an umbrella helicopter comes and picks them up and then we get like a little bit of debriefing right um some yeah. f- shit happens on the helicopter but it's not really important because we are rapidly barreling towards the most titanic <laughs> 3 minute segment of film in cinema history <laughs> Uh, the th- really the
0: three minutes that we've been waiting to talk about for a year my entire um,
1: life my entire life has come so, down to this so we so as this we we helicopter- have to we we have to talk about the way they dole out information in this scene right how how sure, they like sure meter out the shots to where you start to realize exactly what's happening in this because if you ascribe no other technical competence to this film. If you ascribe it no sort of like traditional filmmaking artistry, this is the one place I would disagree. Because this next quick cut sequence of like how they put these shots up to where you slowly realize exactly what's about to happen in this movie is like <laughs> it's it's unreal. It's so... It's so fucking good, dude.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so good! <laughs> it's staggering. It's... it's it, it is... Oh, it is the my thing God. that I will think about for the rest of my life with so, these movies. It so is just, unforgettable.
1: It's... I, I, I have thought about the last five minutes of this film like like, conservatively... At least once a day, every day, since I saw this for the first time. Like, I, I get, I like tear up laughing just fucking thinking about it. Like, how, so how they do this, right, is they're on the helicopter and Jill is there, Becky is there, Alice is there, Leon's there and Ada is there. And we, we get some back and forth between Jill and Alice, you know, whatever, who gives a fuck. And we get the obligatory like game reference. Uh, Leon puts his hand on Ada's thigh, and Ada removes it. So it's like, oh, if you're a fan of the game, you know they've got, you know they've got a thing going. Uh oh, or maybe that's fan service. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's supposed to be fan service, but it doesn't matter. Because the next shot we get is this umbrella helicopter flying over the the um, the House of Representatives. In Washington D.C., the the Capitol building of the United States, God. and before you even have a second to register the fact that they are now in Washington D.C., you find Alice and Ada and Leon and Becky and Jill and and some some various goons. In a certain building, and you know, this building may look a little bit familiar to some people. Mm -hmm. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like an office building, seems kind of nice. It's got some, uh, you know, some like sandbags. It's kind of shaking like it's under assault. And then you realize that uh, this building they're in is... uh, How can I put this? Uh, The White House. They're in the White (laughs) House. Uh, And what happens next Uh... is... (laughs) they're led through this like you know this sort of like like reinforced white house it's very clearly under duress there are people there in umbrella clothes and like you know normal clothes and like military clothes like I I guess reinforcing and like checking these computer screens and then Alice uh, goes through a door by herself she's led into a door by herself on her own and the rest of them are just kind of sitting outside of this door (sighs) And the next 15 seconds of the (laughs) spoofy are the most titanic frames of cinema. (laughs) I I can't even talk about it. It's so fucking funny. It's in the year in the year that we have done this podcast, it it, <laughs> it all led up to this moment. Because before oh. you can even register what's going on, Alice says one word. Wesker. The camera cuts, <laughs> and we get like a literal second-long shot of Albert Wesker sitting behind. The t-
0: I don't, it's the, and it's not just. It's not just that he's sitting behind the desk in the Oval Office. It's like that. That alone is funny. But it's the way they frame it and the way it's they
1: shoot it. I have it. I have it in the Discord, so we can we can pick it apart. This shit is fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> he is like. <laughs> He he looks like he is three feet tall. Oh my god, he the, is so tiny. The way the way they position the camera in this shot, the way they position the camera in the shot is the camera Ugh. is like behind. It, it's over Alice's shoulder, right? And and you see yeah. the Oval Office. You see you see the flags, the American flag, <laughs> and like the White House flag, like the government flag. There's all Ugh. these sandbags, but the camera is like. Ever so slightly tilted down over her shoulder, so like the visual plane that Wesker is on seems lower, and like <laughs> <laughs> the composition of this shot is demented. <laughs> like, like you have it. Okay, you you know the rule of thirds, right? Like, like, like yes, in yes. terms of composing a shot, Albert Wesker is centered perfectly in the middle of the shot right like he, yeah he is both in the in the middle in terms of like the horizontal and the vertical and yeah. it's like the windows <laughs> above him the desk below him and then the windows on either side but the way he's sitting he's like he looks like Duke <laughs> it's, it's yeah him. it's it's like,
0: so his head is dead center <laughs> yes, of this yes, shot, right? Yes. Which, and because and because the, the they've got like sandbags, you know, lining the walls here, the sandbags go over his head, which makes it look like either the sandbags are eight feet tall <laughs> or he is three feet tall. Yeah. Like he he lo- like the desk looks gargantuan, <laughs> like compared to him, it looks as if. They sat Sean Roberts in a chair in front of a green screen and then digitized him in and just were like trying to like... (laughs) <laughs> like size him up
1: correctly. Oh my god! It doesn't. Just, it, it doesn't help that you've got Alice in the foreground of the shot, right? So she takes up no. She takes up most of the right, the right third of this frame. Like yeah, she, and she so does. not only are the sandbags above his head, not only do the flags seem huge in comparison, but in the frame, Alice <laughs> seems like twelve feet tall. And like yeah. the way they've constructed this is just baffling, in how they've like completely managed to make the focal point of the perspective lines his head so everything else just seems larger in comparison to him it's it's man i this shot like this is the shot this is the shot of this movie yeah wesker is in this movie for i would say to be kind about six minutes right like that's being very generous At, at most <laughs> he this shot this this like we timed it right like it's barely even a second long this barely second long shot of him sitting at the desk in the oval office has haunted me i think about <laughs> this shot like legitimately legitimately <laughs> i have thought about this every day of my life since yeah. i've seen this movie for the first time it's maddening like not just the composition of it but like the shock of seeing it in the <laughs> film, like it just comes out of nowhere, right? Yeah, like, it 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 still it still takes
0: me by surprise after eight years. <laughs> like I, I, like you, I have thought about this shot every day since I first saw it, and I saw it in theaters. So that's eight years I've been thinking about oh, this. Oh my like, god! Just the other day, I was getting into bed, and I just went like, "Oh, Albert Wesker Oval Office." <laughs> Albert like, Wesker
1: Oval Office.
0: <laughs> like it's. It, I am obsessed with this singular shot, this singular image. Like, I, I when th- like they say when you die, your life flashes before your eyes. When I die, and my life is flashing before my eyes, this is the last thing I'm going to see before I die. Like this, <laughs> like this is
1: <laughs> it's it, Titanic. It it's is like unreal. Like the I you just don't you you just can't make this shit up, right? Like this shot is so funny there's no way it was intentional right like like yeah. it's 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 just a masterpiece like it really is like i i the 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 cognitive dissonance Of seeing this guy, like, stanced up like a Danganronpa character, like, green screen (laughs) behind the desk at the Oval Office with, like, cat suit Alice just up here in the foreground. There's, it's, there's just so much, there's so much to absorb.
0: Like, it literally doesn't even look like he's sitting down. It literally looks like they took a screen, like, a green screen shot of him standing up. (laughs) and tried to photoshop him <laughs> to look like he's sitting down like it is ridiculous and yeah like the fact that it's Sean Roberts who cannot stand or sit like a normal person and cuz he's like so muscular that his arms just like can't go to his sides like a normal person's would like and the way he's just staring dead ahead expressionless just like like he like he is like like he is a video game model that has yet to start animating you know <laughs> like it is it is unbelievable this
1: is just it's nuts like
0: like like we like you you coined the the hashtag that you you Uh, Started a movement last year. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Borat in the library. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm asking for Borat to be taken out of the library. I want Wesker in the library. (laughs) That's what that's what that's what I want for the for 2021. (laughs) Put this in the Louvre. Put this like every like this should be like if if I'm sending somebody like a letter in the mail, I should be able to put this as a stamp on it. Like, this is
1: <laughs> I want this tattooed on my back. I want this exact frame just like laser engraved onto onto my body. Yeah, it's for real. Like it's perfect. Like it is the most perfect moment of this entire movie. Like, I'm looking at this shot. He has, like, papers on his desk. Is he doing paperwork in the office? What is... Did, Albert deal? Wesker is a busy
0: man. He's a busy man, and... Like, even the paper looks enormous compared to him. <laughs> like, it's... The, the the phone on his desk is, like, three times too big for a man that size. Like, he is... He's like a borrower or something. Like, he's just a little tiny Albert Wesker sitting <laughs> behind this desk. <laughs>
1: it's it's like the first time i saw this movie i lost my shit and i still do like i still do just lose it over this shot because it's so good and you just don't have any time to process it either right because all of this happens like the helicopter landing and west like the time between the helicopter flying over dc and wesker oval office is like a minute at most like maybe a minute and a half like you just don't have yep. any time to process what's happening I none do you want me to while we have this open do you want me to go ahead and reference the book in terms of how the book describes uh, these yes, these, please, these please, last two moments
0: I, I I think I think <clears throat> Wesker Oval Office needs all of its stuff just packed in here I think
1: yeah yeah let's go ahead and talk about this so the book um has a little bit more lead up to this scene and I'll talk about that once we wrap all this up Um. So they land, they land, uh, out, I think like on the white house roof or something or like in the white house backyard, right? Like in this sort of mm-hmm. zone that they've set up. And, um, <clears throat> so they come out and they see a soldier and, and the, uh, the, the paragraph picks up. He had an assault rifle hung over his shoulder on a strap. Alice thought she remembered him. Grady. She asked as she came down the ramp. Yeah, Alice, it's Grady, he rumbled. He'd worked in the lower echelons of Umbrella security at one time under her authority. You still with Umbrella, she asked, but she was pretty sure she knew the answer. Would I be working here, he responded? Nah, come on, I got to get you and your little entourage into the big white place. We're gonna have some doctors look you over, see what needs to be patched up, might even feed you. Then, you're all going to see the big guy. The big, the big guy? guy Wesker. Uh so then we go. Ugh. We we go we, we we barrel through uh I think um <clears throat> about nine pages here of of White House White House sort of backstory. And then we um then we get to the literal first page of chapter thirty uh, let me be clear. This, this uh, takes place on page 336 out of 340. I, <laughs> I, I read this entire book for this one moment, and here it is. Alice, Ada, Becky, Jill Valentine, and Leon were led by Grady and two other guards through the war-torn White House. At times they heard explosions, some distant, others too close for comfort. The floor rocked and the lights flickered. They walked past portraits of presidents and beautiful old furniture, their feet quiet on the carpet. Grady stopped at a door flanked by soldiers, knocked, listened, then opened it. Alice went in, but the guards kept the rest from following. Here we go. She knew the room, the Oval Office, (laughs) and sitting at the president's desk, dressed in black leather from head to toe, Hair slicked back, dark shades covering his eyes. Dot 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 was Albert Wesker. Wesker, Alice said, nodding once, making yourself at home. Wesker rose from behind the presidential desk and came casually around towards her. I must say it does have a certain ease to it. I must say it does have a certain ease to it. Then he struck. She knew the room, the Oval Office. And sitting at the president's desk, dressed in black leather from head to toe, hair slicked back, dark shades covering his eyes, was Albert Wesker. I, every day of my life, every day of my life, I think about not even just this movie, just this shot, just this shot, with no exaggeration. It's, it has changed my life in a way that few movies have and that is not being ironic that is not being facetious i am really just truly obsessed with this it's it's incredible
0: it's it's legitimately like when i when i said last week that this movie was like had or had the most affecting imagery since battleship Potemkin with the baby. Mm -hmm. This is the shot I was talking about. It's this moment. This, this is, this is everything. (laughs) It's it's astounding. It is, it is, it is one perfect shot. It is one less than perfect shot. It is, (laughs) it is literally every time I have watched this movie with somebody else this shot has gotten a reaction out of them. It doesn't matter if they're the kind of person who understands why resident evil retribution is perfect or whether they're the kind of person who just would otherwise look at this movie and go like, this is stupid. What are we doing? Like every single person reacts to the shot yeah. of Albert Wesker because it is, it is a punch to the face. It
1: really is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like it is, it is unreal. I, it it is the defining moment of this entire franchise. The, is,
1: not even just this movie; the whole thing, all six movies. Yeah. this is the pinnacle. Um, but I would say everything after this is also incredibly good as well, right? It is. It is. <laughs> so, yeah, Wesker rises
0: from his from his seat as as the book standing um, like
1: an absolute freak. I might add.
0: Yeah just complete power stance so overly muscled that like he cannot walk (laughs) like a human being he looks
1: like a stretch armstrong like a plastic head on top of this grotesque like stretchy muscular body it's it's really bizarre
0: it's interesting that you say that because i went back and watched because i got the the new um limited box set Uh of these movies for christmas i went back and watched the director's commentary uh for afterlife and at one point during it, Paul W. Sanderson says of Sean Roberts, he acts very weird. He looks very weird. <laughs> I keep looking at Sean and thinking he's made out of plastic. And that's like, that's exactly it, right? That's, that's the perfect way of describing like, how, do how I, he looks and moves.
1: How do I even describe how he stands? Because I also have the second screen cap for when he stands up and he says, I must say there's a certain ease to it. He's like, okay. Stand up as straight as you possibly can. Tilt your head forward just ever so slightly. And then put your arms forward like an inch from your body. And that's how he's standing here. He's like... I feel like he's completely rigid, right? Yeah. He's got like a Rolex on, like some kind of fancy watch. I don't know what's happening here, right? It's He's like an action figure. Like He, he- is. <laughs> he's He is like... An act- yeah, yeah. I have nothing to add to that. You're right.
0: <laughs> that that's that's like the closest thing I can think of to to like describe this. It's an action figure that's like unposed, just like straight out of the box. Just <laughs> I that, would, that's the pose.
1: I would pay any amount of money to own a Sean Roberts Resident Evil Retribution Albert Wesker <sighs> office action figure.
0: I would I would kill for one. It is my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> when's figma going to release an oval office set so i can make a custom albert wesker action figure god god like i'm
0: just looking at this shot like and even his hair looks plastic like it looks like lego hair that or like you know that like he clipped in the hair to his yeah. head like the way it sits on his head
1: it's like travolta's just... wig and gaudy or something like that like it yeah, just feels affixed yeah. to his head in the way that normal hair is not
0: yeah the the like sunglasses there's like something reflecting off the sunglasses could be the cameraman for all i know (laughs) like it's the yeah and yeah i've never noticed the watch before but the watch like the the expensive watch which is probably just sean roberts actual watch like the the cat suit all of it is just crazy it's like he's it's it's kind of like he's trying to like show off his six-pack through the cat suit but he can't quite manage it Yeah, he can't quite
1: flex in the right way
0: yeah, it's it's very very odd. It's very very strange. Yeah. It's
1: it's beautiful. So shit really pops off in this last couple minutes. Uh, the ending of this movie, like like as as wonderful as Albert Wesker Oval Office is, the ending of this movie is amazing. He like uh he he uses his super speed. He reinjects Alice with the T virus because she she can use her psychic powers when she has the T virus. And then he like walks them all out onto the roof of the white house the walk can you can you describe the walk he does here at the end of this movie (laughs) it's
0: it's sort of like when you see soldiers marching you know it's it's like but that like old-timey like world war one kind of like leader of the army like big steps Mm -hmm. like lifting the knees extremely high and he's just like leading them out in formation while talking like an absolute freak. It's <laughs> it's tremendous. There's like two dudes in like turrets on either side of the of the of the uh roof of the White House. The camera starts zooming
1: just, out. He's like he's like what does he say? He's uh, like, You have to help us, Alice. This is humanity's last stand. I have the I have the dialogue here at the at the ass end of this book. Sure, um, please. Let me see here. Uh, he he goes, uh, he says, uh, there's a lot of description, but I'll just read the Wesker dialogue. Uh, he says, this, Wesker said, is humanity's last stand, which I think is what he says in the movie. But then he mm-hmm. goes on as the camera in the movie zooms out in the book uh, to say the final conflict, the beginning of the end. Um, Wesker continued softly. And the book just describes what happens in the film, which is the... Um, the camera zooms out further and further and you see like more and more of the White House lawn or whatever and it's filled with like thousands and thousands of zombies and creatures and there's like armored vehicles, there's like flamethrowers, there's like winged zombie creatures. the music is going nuts. it's like as it like zooms out you're like, oh shit, it's the final stand. Oh my God, what's gonna happen? Uh, A winged zombie flies into the camera and then it cuts to black and we are left on a cliffhanger that this movie, uh, this franchise simply does not resolve. So (laughs) no, no, it does not. No spoilers for final (laughs) chapter, but it it picks up and it just completely ignores this entire ending here. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the beginning of final chapter is Alice waking up in the rubble of the battle. And I guess everyone just died.
0: (laughs) That's it. So That's it. Yeah, we 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 get to end on uh the zombie flying of the camera and then just like Yeah. Because it was 2012 so everything had to be dubstep. Um, just
1: an absolutely astounding ending sequence for <laughs> for any film, for any film. I mean, unreal. It's it's like Perfect. We talk about this movie, but what we're really talking about is Albert Wesker Oval of Office when you get down to it. <laughs> yes. I mean... The whole movie is great. It, the whole movie is amazing. It is. The whole, like, movie's the five, whole movie five is perfect. Five out of five, five stars. It's it's an absolute Easy. laugh riot. Easy. Incredible film. Highly, highly recommend. But just the the audacity of this final sequence is unparalleled.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it truly is like as a whole, as a movie, like the best like night with friends movie you could ever hope to have. Like it yeah. is all tremendous, but like fucking hell, Albert Wesker Oval Office. Albert man. Wesker like, Oval Office. Whew. It just is it's 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 <laughs> It's so deeply affecting. Yeah. Like, it. it is a moment in cinema that just changes
1: you. It does. It really does. You will never
0: thing. be the same after you've seen Albert Wesker Oval Office. And, I mean, I think you can look at, at, like, a picture of it and understand, kind of, but I really think you need to see it, like, to, to understand the way it's cut, like, mm-hmm. the split second you see it, like, how affecting it is that just like quick jab to the face where you're just like whoa and like it's just i actually think the ending of this movie is on youtube so if you haven't actually watched the movie and you should watch the movie but if you don't want to just look up the end of this movie on youtube and just just understand the power of sean
1: roberts the power the sheer unstoppable force of this man it's astounding. In two films, he has completely hijacked two films despite barely appearing <laughs> yeah. in either of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. Um so we kind of we kind of talked about her costume already, right? Like solid 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. 5 out of 5 totally. movie 10 out of 10 costumes. Is yes. there anything else we want to we want to touch on before I discuss a, a bit more of the book and all that?
0: Um just trying I'm just trying to like think like is there we t- we did t- we, yeah. No, I I think that's pretty much Mm. it for the movie. I mean, I will say, you know, um, we can assume from the opening of this movie that Kmart is fucking dead. Yeah, Chris is probably dead. dead. Yeah,
1: Um, Claire shows up again. She's in Final Chapter. Claire shows
0: up again, but we can assume the end of Chris and the end of Kmart. R.I.P.
1: Kmart. uh,
0: R.I.P. Kmart, one of the greats. Um, (laughs) We will miss you. Uh, You know, I think... Just, this really is a movie that has to be seen to be believed, right? Like, it, it is staggering, and no matter how much I feel like the two of us can sit here and talk this movie up and say, this is the greatest piece of shit that you'll ever lay <laughs> eyes on.
1: <laughs> yeah you really you, do just really have to do. watch it yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah it, it really is something you just gotta sit down and watch it's 90 minutes long it's not even 90 minutes long like with the credits it's like 95 minutes long but the, the, the actual, actual movie, runtime of
1: the movie is an hour and 25 minutes yeah so
0: it, it it's, it's a short movie it goes by super quick like you do not feel it going at all it is such an easy watch and it is so much fun like i I cannot recommend this movie enough.
1: No, absolutely not. It it charts very highly for me.
0: Yeah. I think, I think, you know, as we've been going through these, we've been sort of ranking them in the series. I, I don't think there's any question. No,
1: indisputably, indisputably best. Like, number one, even next to the next best one, which is afterlife. This is like head and shoulders above that, like just complete IMAX HD 3d popcorn movie garbage. And, Every single second of it is incredible,
0: yeah, like as much as I may laugh at it or clown on it genuinely a movie that makes me happy
1: oh yeah totally like
0: g- genuinely would say this is a top five top three yeah. movie <laughs> yeah
1: me too. of mine
0: like it's it it is a movie that like i I could watch it again right now yeah you know? like we totally quite could. happily we totally no, problem. Could. A, no problem cut a like, commentary
1: track on this bad boy.
0: Yeah, like no problem. Like it is, and I and I like, I the the Blu-ray of it has two directors commentaries on it. I have watched them both back to back before. Uh huh. So like it is, it is super easy to do. You do not feel it. It's so much fun, and if if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, you gotta check it out. You, if it's yeah. the only one of these you see, you have to check this out.
1: Yeah, I agree. It, 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 I mean. For God's sake, there's like a five-minute recap at the beginning of this that goes through every everything in the previous films. So, including mm-hmm. Jill's great line, shoot to kill, or whatever it is that she says. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great, absolutely great stuff. Uh, so, stuff that's not so great, uh, the novelization of this movie... <laughs> <laughs> Which is um, <laughs> yeah, again, I I, I I know we we've we've touched on it a bit as we talk about the film. I read this whole book in basically a single day. I um, there's like a 10 page recap that goes through the plot of the previous books slash movies. I read that one night and I read the next three hundred and thirty pages uh, in like three separate sittings in one day. Uh, I would give this book a two star out of five you know it's um, Mm -hmm. the thing about it is like I don't know who it appeals to right because I I guess the answer is like gamers or like teens who don't really love reading but like action movies and that kind of thing like I don't really know right Um, when, when, when this book came out there were definitely like websites that posted about it like oh you know new Resident Evil stuff the movie and the book are coming out or whatever but I don't think I would be able to find another human being on earth who has actually read this book. Uh, You and I, as we've established are both obsessive about this film. Uh, We both love it. It's incredible, but neither of us had heard about this book until like three weeks ago, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I had ordered it and I read it. I got a seven 99 copy which was allegedly new, but I think has probably just been sitting in a warehouse since 2012. Um, <laughs> there's a space on the front cover where there was very obviously like a based on the hit movie sticker that has been removed. Um, so, so it's been sitting around for a while. This book's not good, is the thing. Uh, as you would, ex- as you would expect from a movie where nothing happens and everything is impossible to properly describe, the book is not great. Uh, I give it two out of five because it's really, really funny reading Paul's, like, word-for-word dialogue and someone attempting to, like, finagle that with these really uh, low, like, low, uh, What what's the word I'm looking for? There, there, there's an economy of language in this book, right? Sure. Everything mm. is described in only the most basic terms that you need to, like, know what is happening at any given time. But there's never any flourishes, never any, like, further description of things. Like, uh, there's one character that all you know about for most of the book is she's described as a, quote, healthy-looking 15-year-old girl. And we never get any other sort of description about her (laughs) aside from that. Uh, So it's a hell of a novel. The first um, third of it or so is just screened a page, right? Like, just Paul's dialogue just very pedestrian, very workmanlike descriptions of what's happening on like the movie. Uh, but around page 111, the book starts to diverge a bit. Uh, we, we meet two original characters in this novel, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you've ever wanted more plot in resident evil retribution, the novel definitely has you covered. um, around the time when Ada and uh, Alice go to the New York simulation, the book cuts out the bit where they fight the uh, two big hammer zombies or whatever. And Mm -hmm. instead uh, we get a pickup with this character whose name is Dory. And um, Dory is a clone. She is a clone inside the umbrella facility who has been, I guess pulled out of the, the simulation by a character that she refers to as Judy tech, who is an umbrella technician working at the facility, which is really funny because the movie never gives you any sense of that, right? Like you never get no. a sense, none, you never get a sense that this facility is anything other than five very large rooms connected to each other by a hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Judy tech has pulled Dory out of the clone facility and, and, like, given her Alice's combat, like, mind overlay. And essentially what the um, what the book picks up with in a B-plot that becomes increasingly important as the novel moves on is this story about this clone Dory, this umbrella woman Judy Tech, and this old umbrella engineer called Tom who try to escape the facility on one of the submarines for whatever reason. Um... And so that's just kind of interspersed. Like every so often you get like maybe four or five pages of whatever it is that these people are up to, right? Uh, like interspersed with what is happening in the film. And um, as it goes on, we, we, we get about another 145 pages and then we get to like the area where there's the ice fight, you know, like, like yes. the kind of climactic moment. Mm-hmm. And then the last 84 pages of this novel just go completely off the rails um <laughs> like like I guess I wouldn't expect anything else for an adaptation of a of a movie like this but um in the film version you get them picked up by the helicopter and they're immediately in Washington DC right like it's just straight quick you know one place to another the book has fully like 84 pages between those points where um, Jesus <laughs> what happens is... We, we get Judy, Tom and Dory uh, getting on one of these submarines and like they see rain getting pulled down by the zombies and like she's apparently still alive and she like walks towards the submarine and they just like fuck off and so what ends up happening in the backstretch of this novel is there's this subplot about these three chicken Mcnobodies who, travel via this submarine from russia to an island off the coast of california which i think is catalina and um on this island there are four people there is jack who is a teenager there is his uncle who is referred to as uncle chung who is a buddhist monk and there is a gay couple whose names are bim and i think lonnie are the names and um Okay. So we get all this like back and forth of them traveling in the submarine and and the four of them on the island like talking about how they cleared out the undead to like make a safe haven on Catalina or whatever. Uh and it's weird, like it's not good. Um even the movie stuff of the book is like barely tolerable, right? But it's just there's there's enough inherent comedy and like having seen the film and trying to read it on the page that really carries the book, sure. right? Yeah. But when you get yeah, to yeah. anything outside of that, it really is just, like, the worst, hackiest bullshit, and I guess that's kind of appropriate. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I have to assume this book was written in, like, a month, right? Like, this dude totally, yeah. just sat down with the script and did the Stephen King method where they just wrote, like, 10 pages a day until the book was done. And um, I don't know. There's really not much to say about it. Uh, the, the book's weird we get a lot of interiority we get this plot with these four people on this island there's this really weird bit where like they they get uh, attacked on this island by people who are racist stereotypes uh, like like these like real breaking badass characters try to come and mm-hmm. you know like this drug dealer guy uh, tries to take the island and they shoot at them but then no oh, no the submarine comes with the good people we care about and they try to shoot them too. It's a lot of bullshit, right? It it really doesn't mean anything in the larger context of the story. But um, if you ever wanted to know what happens to Alice and company between leaving Russia and going to Washington D.C., uh, this book has you covered. Um, oh really? Really? Yeah. Uh, according to the canon of the book, there is a stop that they make between Russia and D.C. where they stop in Nevada at like a at like a base, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Alice is having second thoughts about going to see Wesker Oval Office. So she tries to escape with Becky and Jill because they're like, oh, Wesker may kill us. He may double cross us or whatever. And it's basically like any other scene from any other of these movies. They're on this base. Every zombie within a 15 mile radius has just converged on this one area. Uh, They try to leave the base, but the zombies break in and they leave on the helicopter. And that's basically it. Um, Great. Yeah, there's really not as much content to the book as I hoped there would be. Uh, I guess the point is that it really is about what you would expect for a book equivalent of this movie. There is a bit where instead of writing HUD, the author writes IUD, and that just made it through editing, so Jill Valentine has an (laughs) eye-projected IUD, I I suppose. Um, Great. (laughs) For some reason, when Alice leaves the chamber at the beginning the book notes that there were no shoes. And so she's walking around barefoot for like three pages for some reason. Like, I don't know mm. if that's like a horny thing or like, that's what's in that. Like, I don't know because in the movie it's just the whole suit, right? Like there's no, yeah. there's no conflict there, but for some reason she leaves the chamber, uh, barefoot. And then like 12 pages later, uh, it says, wow, Alice was really thankful for the shoes or else the zombie would have bitten her. And there's no mention of her ever picking up shoes uh, between those two moments. So I guess the author just forgot to write the part where she picked up the shoes in the police cruiser or something, I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was like whoever wrote this book was working off an early draft and Paul had some weird foot fetish thing in the early drafts of the script. Can you fucking imagine? (laughs) I, I don't want to imagine. One thing about the book that you did because you were sending me like pictures of yeah. just little bits you'd highlighted and it killed me that like one of the first things in the book is like it opens with with going like oh, yeah. it was a beautiful sunny day on the Arcadia. and <laughs> yeah. like, as soon as I, I as soon as i saw that i was like jesus okay yeah but i i, I certainly if i'm sitting down to To read a book about Resident Evil Retribution, I don't give a fuck about Dory and Judy. No, absolutely not. Who who gives a shit? I want want to hear about Alice and Jill and Wesker and especially Wesker. Especially Wesker. I want to hear about the characters that I've like spent time with watching in the movie. Like, why not come up with a subplot where Wesker is like
1: doing paperwork? He's
0: like doing paperwork. He's playing poker at the White House. (laughs) You know, like just. Just give me something with Wesker. Like try and replicate how Sean Roberts speaks. You're an author, you can do that. Yeah. Like, you know, give me give me some of the, that shit. Like I don't wa- I don't want to know about these characters that don't exist. I want to hear about the big guy. I think so, there is a know. moment
1: in here where it describes Wesker in a way I thought was really funny, like when she meets him in the um in the on the video screen for the first time. How uh, many skypes in? Yeah, I think I, I think I may have it highlighted, or at least I know where the page is. Yeah, uh, glancing past Ada, Alice saw the face of Albert Wesker framed in the monitors. Uh, he was wearing shades, as per usual, dressed in black <laughs> and grinning with wicked wideness. Um, I mean,
0: you know, that's that's accurate to yeah <laughs> to how he looks.
1: Yeah, most of this book, like I said, not a whole lot of actual description, but there is a really like just. Mm-hmm bizarre line at the beginning of chapter four here where the author takes a moment out of just like churning through the writing process to make a really weird Jesus reference in this. Um, so here we go. This is uh this is where, uh, this is where suburban Alice is running from the uh, zombies. Uh, Alice heard a gurgling snarl come from the backyard. The undead had climbed out the window. There was no going back, and there was no staying here either. They would find her. Uh, either way, they would find her and Becky. Strange how all this wasn't entirely strange. There was a distant resonance of familiarity, almost deja vu quality about it all. She knew somehow that the bite spread through some sort of infection. It killed, and then it resurrected. But what it raised up was soulless, ravening, and existed only to feed on human flesh. It was kind. It was a kind of inverted, diabolic mockery of the resurrection of Christ, the opposite of a savior <sighs> arisen. So a real dinger of a line there for you. Uh, a
0: real dinger.
1: I can't recommend reading this book. It's funny if you're a real fuck freak about the movie to some degree, but um. It's not good. There's a lot of added interiority. We find out that Alice and Luther were were really, really, really wanting to get it on. Like, I think the book, uh, the canonical reason why Luther tagged along in the book is because he wants to see Alice again. Um, There's a lot of really weird flashbacks. The book gets, like, bad, like, actually bad at one point. Alice has a flashback to when she was living in the mansion and like undercover where umbrella made her like seduce some politician or something, which really sucked ass to read. Mm -hmm. But um, I I feel, I feel complete, you know, I'm a completionist. If I start something, I intend to finish it. And having read the resident retribution novel, I feel like I've kind of gained the entire experience. But then again, Everything you need is right here in the film, right? The film is really an art piece that speaks for itself, I'd say.
0: It is. It is. It is the art piece. It is the definitive work of an auteur and his muse. Yes, And it is 95 of the best and the worst (laughs) (laughs) uh, minutes of cinema Mm -hmm. ever committed to film, and... God bless, honestly. God, God, bless. God bless Paul W. Anderson.
1: He really done did it for us on this one. He done did it. He done did it. He he climbed the
0: mountain and he staked his claim, and he he fucking did it, Ryan. He did it. He did the thing.
1: He done did it. I I could watch this movie right now again, but it is now officially midnight here, so. What else do we want to talk about retribution? I mean, we could talk about this probably for another 3 hours like really getting into the intricacies of Cena Gallery's performance. Yeah, you know, oh my god. Just the bad child acting, just just all of it. There's there's so much to pick apart here and it's only it's only an 85 minute chunk of film and yet it is a wellspring of baffling decisions just back to front. Yeah.
0: It it is a movie that has so much in it that we could do a year of this like for real like yeah we're not but if if we were ever to do one movie for a year again it might be this one this is yeah it might be this one this might be the only thing other than uh that which won't be named um that we could get a year out of
1: yeah yeah totally
0: yeah but um yeah it's six in the fucking morning um (laughs) And I worked a full shift today so I think maybe we should start wrapping it up. I think
1: it. so. I think so as much as we want to do the four hour retribution cast. I think we've oh. gone on long enough.
0: We've got two hours out of it like I mean,
1: what else can you ask for?
0: Well yeah I mean couldn't ask for more from Paul so mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah um, that's Resident Evil Retribution. God's 2012. perfect film. God's perfect film. Next week, we finish Resident Evil Club with 2016's Resident Uh, Evil, the final chapter. Do we have to? We have to. We have to. You just said you were a completionist. Yeah, that's true. Um, a, A movie that, if Retribution is just 85 minutes of pure, unbridled joy and fun it's going to take a hard turn in the opposite direction next week. Yeah.
1: Retribution's a hard um, act to follow and final chapter doesn't even try. Like it, it really, no. this, like this franchise peaks and then immediately falls apart. I, I really do for me feel like a uh, final chapter is more of an epilogue than an actual final chapter. Like as far as I'm concerned, Yeah. as far as I'm concerned, the story Paul was telling with this, whatever ideas he had, just peak in retribution and and just like end there because final chapter picks up a little bit with that. But the best way I can describe that movie is he just watched a bunch of Walking Dead and was like, okay, let's make a Resident Evil now. And it's it's yeah. it's pretty fucking miserable to be honest. But maybe I'll yeah. like it more this time around.
0: Yeah, I mean we'll we'll get into it next week. But um, it was it was uh quite a, a turbul- turbulent time as I understand it in Paul and Mila's lives. Sure. Um, and I think that's reflected in, in the movie. I believe, um, she very sadly lost a child. Um, oh, I didn't know that in, in the run up to it. And I feel like that, uh, that very much, um, colors, uh, yeah. the movie. Um, it, it certainly is a movie that reads as if they were, in a tough place in their lives. Um, it reads
1: like a movie where they just wanted to wrap this up and move on. Yeah. 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 It really does. Um, but we'll talk about that more
0: next week when we get to it. Um, thank you as always, Ryan for, for thank joining you. for this. You thank do- you. It's, it's been a hell of a journey. <sighs> uh, I'm glad we finally made it to this point.
1: We did. Now we, now we take we a, a, a quick cool off next week and then we get into something real, yeah. real goofy
0: then we then we then we really dig into the shit um <laughs> but until then Ryan you are a person who has quite a presence on the internet would you like to tell people about it
1: ah uh, yeah you can follow me on twitter at curscoat you can find my letterbox at sewerpeak that's p e a k uh, if you want to listen to my other podcast that's emoji drone which i do with sylvie from friends at the table we pick an emoji, we talk about it. It's a lot of fun. We haven't been updating recently, but that's because life happens and, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> shit unfolds. So, uh, yeah. we're, we're, getting back to that pretty soon, but, um, that's about it for me. What are you up to, Niall?
0: Yeah. Uh, I do video game stuff at videogamechoochoo.com. We're just about to start working on our game of the year stuff, so that should be coming out in a few weeks. Um i do not have a personal twitter but i'm on letterboxed at emo christ the show is on twitter we're still at borat club our email address is still at borat club cast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts about resident evil we totally want to hear them um and yeah until next week once again with resident evil the final chapter where it all goes to shit uh thank you again ryan um thank you for listening at home uh please leave us a like a reviewer rating wherever you get your podcasts we very much appreciate it and we'll see you next week take care see you next week